Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we have Abe Shreve with Business Master Training and Coaching. And he flew in from Ogden, Utah to talk about one thing all successful people have in common. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, sales trainer for some of the top home buyers in the country. And I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. Question I get all the time is how do I become one of the 100 millionaires? The information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven, five to seven years. If you will take consistent action, you will become one. You want to get there faster, send me a message on Instagram, and we'll see if we can help you. If you get value today, please tag it from below, share this episode right now, that way we can all grow together. And this is a live show, so please ask your questions for Abe to answer. You ready? Yeah, all set. All right, so for me, you know, I'm curious, what is your experience in real estate? Well, um, if, if we go back to what feels now like an eternity ago, I, um, I, I got into the real estate business. I, I was a high school teacher mm -hmm. and I did that as long as that was fun. And then, and then the day came where I was restless. And, um, I remember I, I, I enjoy making things and I always thought I would do something on the construction side, but mm -hmm. I was on a walk one night and saw a real estate sign. And it was kind of the first time it clicked that, ah, I'll look into that. And I ended up getting a license and, um, gave notice at my work. Gave notice of my work and started a real estate school. Yeah. And oh, uh, yeah. even faster. So normally people are shocked at how quickly I made the transition because I said, oh, I'm, I'm going to real estate. I'm going to go get my license. Got it in two and a half weeks and then submitted my two weeks notice. Yeah. You submitted your notice. Yeah. Now. <laughs> you transitioned faster. Listen, uh, let me not sound more cool than I really am because <laughs> I was on a teacher's contract. So I had a, a couple of months. Got it. You know, where it just worked out for me. But yeah, I mean, I gave notice and went home and told my beautiful wife uh honey we're told gonna, her we're gonna change things you didn't discuss it with her you told her uh you're yeah okay you're calling me on that that's good <laughs> I'll, I'll take that yeah of course i i talked to her about it and okay. um you know we laugh around my house because about every five years our, i tend to shake up our world but it's done well for us yeah well that's the yeah. entrepreneurial spirit yeah that's it yeah. yeah pathologically restless absolutely yeah yeah. Okay. So you, yeah. So I got, I got my license and started selling. I had a great mentor in the beginning. His name was Bob Hill. Mm -hmm. It's still his name <laughs> and, uh, we're still close friends and, and I worked with him for, for a season. And, um, and then I, I was always drawn to new construction and I loved kind of the whole approach of it. I, I love that, um, you could help someone build something new. They wanted their home sold quickly. That went to buying land and, then I opened a construction company. Um, I had a great partner in that business, this, this amazing man. He was, you know, double my age, and, and I just loved to be around this guy. And, and then this thing happened in 08. I don't know if you recall. I, I recall. I think I blacked out for like seven years. I still got scars. Yeah. yeah. That happened. Yeah. I remember exactly where I was when I got the call that the secondary market had closed, and that happened. Yeah. And so I had to learn well, how to. So where were you? I, I was leaving the parking lot at our real estate office and my closing, my title officer called to let me know that none of our closings were going to happen. Yeah. Um, you were with KW? Yes. Yep. Okay. At that time I was with KW. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, there was, uh, I want to say it was Remax 2000 here and they had like six locations, you know, and it was just one day all the doors were changed shut. Right. Not like, wow. Not Literally locked, chained, chained, shut, not locked doors. Oh. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it, it impacted a lot of people. So you had closings that you were anticipating that day. 
Yeah. And it didn't happen. Yeah. So this was a season where I feel like I had a license to print money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, that we'd sell the homes before the foundation was finished digging mm-hmm. and I got paid when we bought the land and I would double side both houses. I'd get a real estate commission plus my ownership distribution. I mean, it was, it was great times. And, and we were putting a lot of money back into our company. I did make two idiot purchases. Yeah. I bought about two vehicles and shamefully had to unwind that later. But, um, were they Hummers? No, they weren't Hummers. I mean, it was... It, I'm I, asking because I remember in Scottsdale or here locally, I mean, there were so many freaking Hummers at that time. I, I didn't buy a Hummer, but only for this reason. I have too much self-respect. <laughs> but I... <clears throat> sorry to the Hummer owners. No, I, we bought... Now, this will not sound very sexy. Bought a minivan, uh-huh. but it was the Honda Odyssey Touring model. Yeah. And it had the DVD player, which was... Big. The one where the seats folded into the Oh, car. come on. Yeah, that was that sexy. Was, that was a big deal. That was a big deal. <laughs> yeah. And um, and truthfully, at the time that I bought that van, I, I kind of said, and throw in that Acura TL at the same time. And that was that was my dumb purchase. Yeah. But I was the personal guarantor on these inventory homes. And I, and I hadn't done what so many of my friends had done, which is we're going to make up a name or just have, you know, Uncle Ned sign here. And, mm. and so... When it hit, I was the one that the banks came to talk to. And this is your construction company? Yeah. All right, so you were personally guaranteed on all your construction yep. loans and, and so on. That was me. So that was a pretty sizable number. I imagine you know what, what that number is. Yeah. So I had about $3 million in, in real estate inventory, and that was about six homes, But mm-hmm. which doesn't sound like much, but don't forget this. Not only had people stopped buying that the income faucet was off. Right. And it turned off. Yeah. So 3 million on the hook for, and no income, no income to start paying it back. And you know, oddly enough, the bankers didn't feel like team players. (laughs) Like I, I explained to them, we're in it together, right? We've been in this all the time together. And you were they, nice to me. Yes. Before. Yeah. Remember all the lunches? Yeah. <laughs> what happened to that? Yeah. And so, um, but it was really a tough season. In fact, um, can I share a personal story there? Please. So, um, my, my greatest joy in life is my wife will be married 26 years this year. Congratulations. Thank you. And we have four children and, and that is my greatest joy. In fact, I, I was listening to the episode you did with Jason Lewis mm-hmm. and I, I heard you say, that your family is your priority. You don't want to travel, be away from them. Absolutely. I really identified with that. I was listening to that as I was traveling away from my family to Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so this, this season of life, th- this actually does bridge a gap between what brought me into the coaching world because mm-hmm. suddenly I have to earn a living and you know, we're, we're not only out of money, we're underwater now. Yeah. But I hadn't, I hadn't shared with my wife how bad it actually was. And um, you you said that period was hard on you. Absolutely. Mentally, I look back now and I think, you know, I was kind of ridiculous the way I was thinking. But when you're in it, Mm -hmm. you're thinking, I'm uniquely broken. I failed us. Mm -hmm. So um, we spend every Christmas up in Sun Valley, Idaho. My wife's a really talented vocalist. Mm -hmm. And this will be 19 years that we've gone up there and, and they hire her to sing at night. And we ski during the day. They give us season passes and meals at the lodges and put us up in the nicest rooms. And she sings for three hours every night. It's wonderful. So we're in Sun Valley. 
we got a babysitter for my wife to go shopping, which is funny because she's not a shopper. But she went to be with her friends. I was going to go skiing with mine. There's a group of us that have done this together. And I didn't go skiing. I went and sat by the fireplace and extended credit lines to Mm -hmm. make the mortgage payment. So my wife came back early and saw me there. And she's like, where aren't you skiing? And that was the moment. Like I'd been carrying this burden and I just said, I have to tell you something. Now listen to how this must have sounded if you didn't know, you know, I have to tell you something. We went, went up to the room and for the first time I told her we're, we're broke, mm-hmm. you know, and it was amazing Steve, because she, she just grabbed me and said, why have you gone through this alone? And then later I would learn that she was worried that I was going to tell her I cheated or something. Who knew that we were broke was the good news yeah. right? in this moment. But that really caused us to, to have to reevaluate the way you know, that I work and what, what once felt invulnerable, you know, like impermeable. Right. You're a Superman. You can do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And for a season felt like I couldn't do anything. Right. You know, and had to actually develop skills and hired a coach during that season. Mm-hmm. You know, it helped me through that. I, you know, it was, it was kind of a tough time, but I do look back at that time and think that was, that was actually when I really started learning. Yeah. It was easy before then. I mean, if, when it's easy, you don't really feel the, the, the need to learn. And I went through that, you know, when I was doing really well, I was like, what do I need to learn for? Like, I already got it. I already made it this far. Yeah. Right? And then life helps you get humble. Um, so one thing that's interesting, right? Because your wife's asked you, like, why did you keep this to yourself? Why were you holding this burden yourself? And I, I've tried to figure this out because I've experienced the same thing myself, right? I mean, I've we're in a really high high right now, but there were some really low lows. You know, you mentioned uh, there were scars. I mean, the D word was dropped, right? You know, around those times. Mm. And so one thing that I think some business owners run into is um, entrepreneurs are crazy. We're crazy, right? And I've said like, you know, it might be hard to be an entrepreneur, but oftentimes it's even harder to be married to an entrepreneur. And the roller coaster you go through with the husband and wife, sometimes the wife is not emotionally prepared for that roller coaster which causes the guy to even hold it in more. So you've been coaching for quite some time now. Like what do you, how do you counsel uh, a, a business owner who's, you know, trying to keep things tough for the spouse or, or so on? Well, I, I think as I look back at, at myself during that time, Teresa and I have always had great communication, but at that time I was under such fire that I, I didn't know I wasn't sharing. I hadn't really realized, you know, it was all happening, snowballing. But ever since that, ever since that time, you know, I, um, I've been very fortunate. I, I have a, a dear friend and a mentor um, named Matt Townsend, Dr. Matt Townsend. I need to introduce you to this man. Yeah. He's a relationship communication expert. And um, when uh, I, I had gone to a conference of his, or just a, I was at a conference and he spoke and I just instantly felt you know, a, kin, a kindred spirit. I approached him and he was getting his doctorate and writing his book. And um, he was teaching these classes where people are right at the edge of divorce. It's like the last step. Like one of the partners has drugged the other one there before we just sign these papers. And, yeah. and um, you know, he has like an 85% success rate when he teaches models and systems and educates people. Wow. And so if you think about it, it's, it's not being married to an entrepreneur that that's hard. It's being in a relationship where the two parties lack skill mm-hmm. and a willingness to learn together. Yeah. So I think inside of marriage, I think that we often, 
we think we fell in love once. Mm-hmm. That's enough. It should carry us. Mm-hmm. Nothing's like that. No. You know, I, I, you look like you're in better shape than me, but I can tell you at age 49 now, I don't respond physically the way I did at age 25. Yeah. And so, um, and relationships I think are just the same way. So for me, I think that a lot of times the entrepreneur is focused because the entrepreneurial animal is learning based, mm-hmm. but they're learning based on the areas of passion. Yeah. My challenge to people is get your passion right. There's a spiritual leader that I, I followed that says no amount of success will compensate for failure in the home. Absolutely. It's pointless. And, and so for me, um, you know, my wife and I, that, that was a realization for us, but we, we've learned, you know, models and understanding and, you know, there's, there's a, a coaching trick that, that I use. And I'll share this with you. Um, I think it's as important to talk about how we talk about things as it is the things we talk about. Yeah. You know, Matt would say that's pre-planning your fights. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've actually created a business application to this, but you can, you can have people that, that believe all the same things, but they're experiencing life differently because they're not talking about it. Right. You know, in a way that invites additional understanding. And so I think that, I think that having a great marriage is about, is, is this okay? That this is what we're talking about. No, that's why I, I said um, it. This can go yeah, in any different direction. I, I love that. By the way, these are my favorite conversations yeah. where it can just go anywhere. But I, th- I think having a great marriage is a skill issue. Yeah. And, um, I heard it just recently said, um, really well. And, and every entrepreneur should lock onto this. Um, the word love is both a noun and a verb. Yeah. And a lot of times when we're at a sticking point, we're thinking of love as the noun. Yeah. When really it's, you know, the verb. Yeah, and, doing. I, and I took that lesson from Stephen Covey, right? You know, he talks about, you know, like I've, I'm going through this issue with my wife. It's like, we'll love her anyway. Yeah. Right. But you don't understand. Like there's like, we'll love her anyway. Yeah. Right. And over time, the act of loving her anyway will fix whatever the challenges that there were. <laughs> you'll, you'll appreciate this. So, um, t- today I, I'm an owner in this company, you know, mm-hmm. I, I own this, I have a business partner, but I have this company and there was a season where I was a full-time coach and I'm working every 30 minutes with someone like you, like, this is the best thing in the world. We come on, we're intense. I jump on your face. You pay me for it and like it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I, I can be all, I can let out all the driver in me and mm-hmm. then go to the next call. Right. I sail home. And then I don't understand why the kids don't have their written goals out. And, <laughs> and my wife's like, Hey, here, we just need you to do the dishes. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and so it, now I'm thinking, do you not know? Now I'm, I haven't ever really said it this way, but there were, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you there were times I, you know, I, I thought, don't you know, people pay a lot of money for my opinion, but the uh, truth is. I said that to my kids. Yeah. Don't uh, you know? I know. I do say these things to my kids. Yeah. We probably all do. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and the answer is, huh. Yeah. No, they don't know. Cause here, that's care. not the role you play. They don't care what we did in that case. Cause mm-hmm. she would say, don't coach me. Mm-hmm. And then I'd feel defensive. I'm like, well, maybe you need coaching. This doesn't lead to anything good. <laughs> so in this case, you know, we, we had a conversation away from the emotion. Mm-hmm. I let her know, look, this is a job hazard. I'm staring down the barrel of it's what makes me great at what I'm doing. Hard to come out of that role when I get home. And so we came up with this. If, if, if I seem like I came in as coach instead of father or husband, mm-hmm. She would ask, are you in executive mode? 
Isn't that good? That's great. Executive mode. Yeah. You know, and so that was my trigger that I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm vomiting my business stuff on the family that's hasn't asked for it. And that's worked really well. Yeah, I think that's great. So when did you so you were saying you were you were, you were in the situation and you got out of it. Yeah. What did you do to pull yourself out of this hole? Well, that was I refer to that season as the season of long, dark, lonely nights. And um you know, that, that moment that I shared with Teresa, what was going on was the last time I was ever alone in this. And, but the days were tough and, you know, I had to learn, I, I either had to learn how to do business, the real estate business traditionally, or I had to find a different thing to do. Yeah. And so I had to learn scripts and dialogues and call for sale by owners. I, I used to think for sale by owners don't have souls. They, they don't have a soul until we have an appointment. <laughs> then they become a human, you know, the mental chess. But I, I remember that um, I would show up early at the office every day. My goal was to be the first there. Mm. And I would send my coach a picture of the parking lot, you know, and every now and then someone would park overnight, screw up my photo. Mm. But um, I, I took a partner on during those days and six foot two Andy, mm. and he would stand 18 inches behind me. And we had the best noise canceling headsets we could afford. So just a couple of years earlier, I could buy whatever land I wanted. But today I'm in a dress shirt and tie that I bought at a cheap little store for 18 bucks. It was a shirt that came with three ties. Mm -hmm. This is just where we were. Yeah. And, um, and so, but I look at that period of time with, with great fondness because it was, it was really hard, but I knew that I call it the season I lead generated for comfort mm -hmm. because I would come in in the morning and I would, I would keep my commitment. It was it never in all the years I did that work like that. It was never easy for me. Now, some people get so good at it, it becomes so familiar and you know, it just feels unnatural to not do it. it was, mm. I never got there. It was always hard. Yeah. So for me, I always had to, I, I had to booby trap my success. I mean, I think that there's a, there's a key there, you know, like I think um, some things I've heard, right. You know, you don't have to enjoy cold calling. You just have to do it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then the, we talk about, I can't remember who wrote it, uh, but you know, the secret to success is doing what other people won't. Sure. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's the, yeah. the, uh, the, the secret. And I think, you know, just you're talking about like, you kind of look back to it with fondness. You know, what's crazy is like the other day I was just, you know, driving home. I miss those days of struggle. You know, it's crazy, right? Cause things are really good right now, but I miss those days when you had to solve big problems, when you had to figure out what you're going to do about this, do about that. And that, uh, I think being an entrepreneur is you love solving problems yeah. and there's right. just fewer problems to solve. They're more complicated. The problems we have, we mentioned earlier, people, right? That's yeah. it's a much more complicated problem, but there's no like satisfactory. Like I did it. Yeah. <laughs> it's an ongoing challenge. Well, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I a hundred percent agree with that. I, I okay. think what's different is you are no longer wondering how you're going to cover the bills. Right. And so as an entrepreneur, when you make moves, they're, they're based on your experience that you've gained. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for most of us, if we've learned something, we're not, you know, we're not at the edge of destruction. Right. Like maybe once we were. And so no longer personally guaranteeing big loans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or we're doing it with enough in reserves that we could, you know, we're doing it eyes wide open. Yeah. But I think, um, you know, I've listened to the show and I think that the things that you're doing are, are big and there's, mm. there's a lot of people. Right. You know, involve those are big initiatives. You have people, I'll, I'll bet, I'm guessing here, that you have people in your company that feel the way you felt back then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's some, there's some place. And so, you know, I, um, entrepreneurialism, is, it's like a, it's like a 
an addiction. Yeah. You know, it's once, once it's in you, it's hard to get out. And yeah, you're trying to get that next hit. You're trying to get that next hit. And, and there's a difference, I think, between those that, that find a rhythm in life that learn to counterbalance and just those that are high passion but leave a trail of carnage everywhere they go. <laughs> there's that too. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you, so you did the lead gen thing, so you were focused on your real estate business. Yeah. And you were able to work your way through. So that, yeah, that was yeah. 2008 to, to when? So let's see. So that was 2000. Um, so, so I was doing that with, with my partner, mm -hmm. Andy, and, and um, I'd actually got us back on, on uh, solid footing. And then what, I had this office kind of out away from our main office. And I walked into my office one morning and the whole ownership team is in there, the people that own the company. And I'm thinking, Am I, have I done something to be fired? Like, <laughs> what do you guys want? And uh, they asked, would I be the, you know, the team leader? Would I be the leader of that office? Mm -hmm. And um, if you look at my behavioral profile against the right fit for that, I'm a terrible man. Mm -hmm. uh, Mostly because I think there's too many realtors. <laughs> that sounds awful. Let me let me clarify that just a little. Team uh, leader for KW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and if you if you have a belief that there are too many realtors, you're definitely not the right person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're going to struggle leading a real estate office. Now it wasn't the realtors. It was that I, I've learned that I'm I'm really great with people that are going to do something. Mm -hmm. Where I struggle is the people that you have the same conversation every week, and that that sounds kind of like a back backhanded compliment to myself. I don't mean it that way. I, I actually, if I could, I don't love that about myself because I think all of us have seasons of life where Absolutely. we were the one doing it new every week. And someone, some great leader or mentor somewhere had the patience and the right fit to see us through it. I just wasn't very good at that. And, and there's a need for that in that company. When was this approximately? Let's see. So this was 09. 09. Okay. So yeah. I'm just trying to think, cause I was recruited at one point I was a wanted commodity. Um, and they had, they had me take the AVA. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they, they took the AVA and they matched it. Okay. Here's the 17 different profiles of KW. Yeah. Based off your AVA, here's where you'll fit. What did they, do you recall what it was? Uh, I don't remember exactly what my AVA said. I just know that I did not fit any of the 17 boxes. <laughs> they're like, yeah, <laughs> they're like, you, they're you like, have no hope for a successful life whatsoever. Like, no, clearly you're a mega agent, right? Cause I was yeah. doing well. Yeah. They're like, clearly you're a mega agent. Like, no, I'm, I'm, that overlap isn't, isn't working. So. The behavioral assessment is as good as the data set it was built on. Yeah. You know, um, even our own, we have a great behavioral assessment tool, but I learned early on that our, we have a just generic leader mm -hmm. is one of the behavioral role profiles that you can choose. And it's really a match for like a corporate supervisor, which okay. doesn't describe any entrepreneur no. anywhere. We had, we had to redo it with them based on what we knew, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's, you know, that, that's a whole other story, but I, I did take that job and, and I knew when I took the job that I wasn't a match for it, but I also knew that I was in a season where I just needed a bigger purpose than me. Yeah. And I gave it everything I had and, and we did some big things during that time, but it was then that I, I hired the coach that would kind of see me through my next, my next opportunity. So one thing that was interesting to me, cause I heard about you through Jason Lewis, right? A mutual friend. We mentioned his name earlier yeah. and he says, Oh yeah, I have a maps coach. What? <laughs> right. Cause for me, you know, I started in the, on the realtor world and then 
you know, became the black sheep, I think, in the realtor community now that I'm on the investing side. Um, <laughs> is that how it works? <laughs> I, I believe once you leave the realtor farm and go into the house buying farm, you're yeah. the bad guy. You're the bad one because yeah. you're making more money. Making how more, dare yeah. you? <laughs> yeah. Well, they look at it as you're taking advantage of homeowners, and I don't think they're looking at it with the right lens. I'm, I'm probably biased because I work with so many great real estate wholesalers. Like right. Jason Lewis has a heart of gold. Absolutely. Right. And he's done both. He's worn both hats. But yeah. I mean, I was shocked to hear like, oh, yeah, you know, I have a maps coach like, but you're not a realtor. How does this work? And that says, oh, yeah, you know, my friend Abe, he has business maps coaching, which I'd never heard of. So what is business maps coaching? Yeah, great, great question. So when I got into coaching, I had actually gone to um, let me answer that kind of roundabout if I could. Sure. So I. I did the team leader thing for a little bit and then uh, for about three years, actually, then I stepped out of that and I went to work for a company called Destination Homes. And um, I worked with an amazing leader named Brad Wilson. And you hear me say something that sounds intelligent. There's a likelihood I'm channeling Brad somewhere in that. I, I took a lot away from my time with him. And um, however, I, I started my coaching journey both in hiring a coach and in becoming a coach at KW Maps. So inside of Keller Williams Real Estate Company, there's a coaching company you mentioned, Maps Coaching. And um, so I, I started there, but I, I came from a really different place because I wasn't a wholesale investor, but I was an investor because I bought land and I, you know, I had a different company and, yeah. you know, um, I, had, I had glorious failures <laughs> in my resume. Yeah. And... Um, and so, and then I'd work alongside Brad Wilson and running a large construction company is so much more complex than anything I'd ever done. Mm -hmm. And I went, he hired me to come in to do that. And, uh, and I did think I knew what I was doing, but I knew instantly I was kind of over my skis Yeah, and just hoping they didn't find out before I could figure it out. And right. I walked into Brad about 18 months in and said, I think today's the first day I get my job. <laughs> How did you keep me? You know, how'd you not fire me? And he, this will tell you everything about Brad. He said, most experts believe that it takes 18 months to conscious competence in a new role. <laughs> okay, good. Well, there good, you go. good for most experts. And so, um, you know, coming out of that, I went from that into coaching um, the real estate world. However, because I had had this, ex these other experiences, they kind of threw me their first big problem child. And this was a guy that had been through a whole bunch of their coaches. They mm -hmm. couldn't find a match, but he was a, he was a really successful agent. You know, he'd done something like 150 million in volume at a time that, you know, that now a lot of people do that. It's still impressive to me. Yeah. It's amazing how casually we talk about these incredible numbers. Yeah. Right. You get jaded just like, or you get desensitized just like yeah, anything yeah. else. Oh, I did 30 million last month. Some people will do that the whole <laughs> year and that will be an amazing year for them. Or a career. Yeah. Or a career. And so, um, what I learned is he wasn't a problem child. He was a business, he was a business thinker. You know, I, I had an hour call with him. I was his coach for over two years and, and coaching to me isn't, I know, and you don't know, and I'm going to tell you coaching. That is, is how a, most people think of it though. A, a lot of people do. What's funny about the high drivers when they, usually when they're coming to get a coach there, something's happened, Yeah. you know, and they're coming like, I need a coach mm. and they'll say, just tell me what to do. Oh, come on. You know, I love that one. Tell me what to do. Double your business and double your revenue. Tell me how to do it. I'm like, so, so what you are saying is 
if even if I tell you, you're not going to do it, right? Because high drivers don't operate. You, you like people just telling you what to do? No. No, it's got to make sense. And the best you know, way to make sure I don't do something. Is. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> And, and coaching to me is, is very different yeah. than, than that. So coaching is, in fact, in, in our company, Business Maps, we, our mission is we create sacred partnerships that require the best in us, bring out the best in them. Mm-hmm. That's how I view coaching. Coaching is someone that is, that is skilled, but joins you on the front line of your business week to week, working through all the things. You know, it's a combination of holding someone accountable, but it's also financial forecasting. It's pushing someone, it's fleshing out ideas, it's working through challenges with people it's all those things and so i was very fortunate to come kind of with that package having gone through the brad wilson school Mm of of um learning and i just found my way into coaching these bigger producers in fact we were talking about you know a friend in common who's been on your show kenny klaus Mm -hmm. i got to be i got to be a coach to kenny for over five years and um you know i say kenny wasn't successful because i was his coach i believe kenny was successful because he because he believes in learning and coaching and, and he's really driven and our partnership worked. Yeah. You know, I, I tell our coaches all the time, the second you take credit for something your client has done, you're embezzling from their efforts. Right. Absolutely. That's not sacred partnership. No, not at all. And I think that you kind of see this sometimes, you know, some people like, you know, this person's successful because he's like, no, that person's successful. You were there. Yeah. You're part of their story. Maybe you get a chapter. That's Maybe. it. A great coach will be, a, the aggregate knowledge of who they're coaching, mm-hmm. but it's the, it's the frontline innovators yeah. that are out doing that work and, and, and doing things. In fact, um, so to answer your question, you know, the two different companies, I found myself coaching, um, Gary Keller has this kind of this famed room of his top producers. Mm-hmm. It was once called the top 100, but now there's more than a hundred. And, um, I found myself coaching about two thirds of that room and what an awesome experience for me. I mean, these, honor. it is, it is an incredible honor. And I would sit in that room quiet because, you know, I didn't want to be that know-it-all in the corner. Um, and, and I understood and Gary's talking and Gary's talking, but so are these guys and these yeah. guys are, you know, these are the industry leaders and, and, um, and Gary and I started to get to know each other. In fact, the very first time I ever talked to him face to face was on stage in front of about 18,000 people. And we had done a group call to prep for that. And then he didn't ask any, any part of that. Mm-hmm. It was, that was exciting. Um, but I, I got to know, you know, I got to know that kind of a producer. I mean, there were, there was an incredible lady that I, I, I got to be involved in coaching my last year before I came to do this. She did 1300 transactions. Um, you know, these are big, as you know, monumental numbers, these are big, big businesses. Yeah. You, you have a big business and, and most of them have additional businesses like you do. Right. And, um, and so I had been approached by, by another person there to open this business side of it. Mm-hmm. And I had done some other things. I had another company I sold and some things like that. And, you know, I mean, how do you meet those people every week and work with them every week and not feel the fire to do stuff. (laughs) And so it's really, we actually had this conversation with a team, right? The media team that, that watches and edits this and does all this amazing stuff. Like we watch entrepreneur come in every single week. Yeah, It's hard to keep doing what we do. Yeah. Watching everyone that comes in like, here's how I made a million dollars last year. Yep. Yeah. It's absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
Jason Lewis caused me a night of a week of sleepless nights, that jerk. <laughs> no, not really. But he, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an inspiring place to, to work. And, and I, I, I get so excited and proud of these guys and, and you know, it's a, it is a sacred partnership. And so I wasn't interested in doing it because I've, I've had the seasons of life where I kind of in, invested my entrepreneurial spirit into a company that I didn't own. And it's just not, I, I didn't want to fully do that again. And then Gary Keller took it over. Yeah. And um, he and I, I remember the first time we actually talked about it, I was in his office. It was really the first time it was just he and I. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was for about three hours. I left, I think my brain had melted out of my left ear. But we talked for about five months and, and he would ask me to forecast a business. And, and, and that's part of what I love to do more than anything else is you, you give me a business model and, and you know, I'll, I'll open up a spreadsheet and st- we'll start creating tools and forecasting and modeling that thing. I, I, I mean, just, I don't know how to coach and not do that. Yeah. I love it. And um, so I came back to him with three, three options and said, I think any one of these models, I was real careful because I thought whatever we pick here, he's going to say, no, go do that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to be like, we'll ride unicorns into the new year. <laughs> I wanted something real. And yeah. I came back, I said, any one of these inside of 10 years, I think is doing a hundred million annual revenue. And he said, you are thinking too small. You need to stop thinking in terms of a hundred million, start thinking in terms of a billion a year. And this is the only person in my life actively at the time that's done that. Yeah. So all my excuses of be realistic, <laughs> they're gone. And, and it was hard. I mean, I remember going back and, and looking at things and saying, okay, well, what if instead of one annual convention, we did three? And what if there were 60,000 people? Who's done that? Well, Tony Robbins has done that. You know, and so it, I didn't just make stuff up. I went looking for the models, but I came back. It was like a billion and 87 cents or something like this. Mm-hmm. But that's what we're building now. Yeah. And it, it, it really did set the, the bar high for what this could really be so that when we're in the slog of getting it going, you know, it, it, there'd be some long-term vision for it. But our business isn't created to coach realtors in a traditional real estate business. Mm-hmm. We coach everybody else. Well, that's where I was going to go with this one. So first, before we go into my next question is people listening may not know who Gary Keller is. Yeah. Now, you know what? I've learned that. <laughs> Gary Keller is the founder and chairman of the board for the largest real estate company in the world. It's called Keller Williams. And he broke real estate, in my opinion. He broke real estate because he came into an environment where it was a very traditional model was, you know, the gold jacket at Century 21. And you're successful because you're at Century 21 or Coldwell Banker. Mm-hmm. Not to diminish those companies. I mean, I started at C21. Yeah. There's great agents, you know. However, he came in as the serial entrepreneur that he is and said, mm-hmm. He said, I want 5,000 millionaires. That's where he started. You, you have a similar path. You're probably past your 100. I wouldn't be surprised if you're not past your 100 and you just don't know. Hope that to be the case. Well, that was his mission, you know, mm-hmm. big, big thinker. And he wanted to teach realtors to be business people. Right. So he wrote a book called The Millionaire Real Estate Agent. And, and so when, it, when, when I was looking at where I wanted to go, it was that entrepreneurial spirit that was so attractive to me. I remember seeing him speak one time and he said, you put the KW as small on the sign as the state lets you. Yeah. Like it's your business. Right. That was attractive. And, um, you know, so I've, it's, I've been really fortunate to be able to. Funny, I had no idea about these things about him because uh, we have very similar 
<laughs> ideas, right? Like, I don't care. Like, we don't have to put the brokerage on it unless the state requires it. Um, the one thing I said about Gary Keller as well is that he's the number one information marketer of all time. Yeah. Because he built the entire brokerage off of one info product, a real estate agent. Yeah. So. It, and, and that product was the models and systems to build a big business. Right. You know, sp presented in a way no one had, had thought. And I remember of. reading it, right? It's like, you know, seventh level is like, man, is that attainable? And yeah. Uh, so right. you mentioned um, it's everything but realtors. So there's yeah. a KW Maps, which is realtors. Traditional real estate business. business. So you're wholesaling. Mm -hmm. You know, you got you've got real estate investors and wholesalers, and mm -hmm. construction people. It, we work with with those people all all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, I know that um, I work with. Jason, as you know, um, ran over at Irby. You familiar with Irby? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ren's, Ren's a great, great guy. So they they have around 30 or so of their leaders in coaching with us right now. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I remember him sharing that. It's, it's crazy to me. So um, right now you're working with 250 business owners. Yeah. At the time I sent you that. So we're around 265. Okay. Today. So what does your business look like to service that many business owners. I mean, you, there's not 260 hours in a week. Yeah, that, no, there's not. I, I'm not doing all the coaching, yeah. so, you know, so my first task was, it, it was not only to build, you know, a business plan and a model for the future, but if, I can't do this work without succeeding through others. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm happy. I mean, that's where my passion lies anyway, but I, one of the hardest things I've ever done professionally was to was to step back and figure out how do I, what is our coaching model? Mm -hmm. I've read a ton of books, but truthfully, the, my coaching philosophy was developed in 10,000 coaching calls. Yeah. And what's different about, so at the time I came to do this, I just passed 10,000. Mm -hmm. And you know the 10,000 rule? Absolutely. I don't think it applies in coaching. No? No, I don't think it does. I think you, you're more advanced, but <coughs> all, all it took was a new industry and a new person with new challenges, mm -hmm. and I'm new again. Yeah. I have aggregate knowledge and I have, you know, I have models and things I follow and I have muscle memory and I'm, I'm in the fight with mm -hmm. them. But how do I take those things I'm doing and, 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 and put them in a format where I could teach them to someone else so that there's some sort of structure to coaching, but that that structure doesn't choke out a person's individual abilities. Right. And so for me, growing a coaching company was, it started with finding and training people to be great coaches. And we're different than other companies because a lot of coaching companies, they'll have a certification and you, you pay and you do their certification. That's not us. Yeah. We're looking for people that will join us in this work. You know? And so now, now we have an incredible group of, of coaches. We, we do a lot to fit is a big deal. And we do a lot to pair people with coaches that, that are right for them. We do a lot of surveys. We do a ton of training. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so for me, there was, there was no way that I could service that group or even grow to where we're going. Um, so it was, it was going and finding the people that would, you know, that would be on this airplane with me and then yeah. mid flight, we were going to build it together, which, which is really what it's been. How many uh, coaches do you have working at business maps? So we, I can, I can answer that just in two ways. One is we, we have a group of coaches that are in what we call a mastery program. Mm -hmm. And these are coaches that are, they, they work with other coaches, they have a coach and they are constantly 
increasing their knowledge, their skill, their practice. Like we are at all times sharpening the edge. Mm -hmm. And, and then we have others that have come that, that are a part of what we're doing, but they're, they're not full time, but they're great. They're really good, but this isn't their pursuit and they'll have five or six. Yeah. You know, Jason, Jason at one point took on several coaching clients, not because he wants to, you know, build a career in coaching because he recognized that in doing that, he became much sharper for his team. That's something I noticed for sure to become better. Yeah. Is to teach. Yeah. Um, so we have a question here yeah. uh, on Instagram. So his question is, when is the right time for me to scale my business? Well, that's, I'd love to know some about the business. Yeah. You know, I, I, so with, with knowing no more than that, mm-hmm. like just a speaking in glittering generalities. Yes. Um, I, I would say that um, there is a, there is a demarcation point from where you, from getting your business to a point that you're really busy. There's, mm. there's a moment where you're either just going to stay there and like swirl down the whirlwind or you're going to have to go back and start over and learn how to hire people and put people in place and, and systems, not just people, systems. Yeah. You know, so I, I actually, if the best case scenario for a person is to start with that end in mind. Yeah. Just, you know, as, as soon as a person begins, I think preparing to scale is as important as scaling. But Gary taught me this. He said, the key to creating a really big business is to build a really great small business. Yeah. I, I heard you and Jason talking about, you know, you asked Jason a similar question or someone did. Mm-hmm. And he said, the first step is to, is to go and create your sales business first. Right. And outsource first. the rest. Yeah. yeah. And so you can sell your way out of most things. Yeah. You can sell your way out of most things and you can sink yourself by trying to scale too soon. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing, right? More, more businesses die from indigestion than starvation. Yeah. That's it. I mean, one of my favorite things in coaching is, is to start with a CEO or, you know, these, these high drivers that come in mm-hmm. and, um, and they're intense. I love it because I, you know, I, I identify, but they're intense. Yeah. And one of the ways I get right to them is I say, all right, walk me through, walk me through profitability for the last 24 months. Mm-hmm. And they'll start to tell me and I'll say, can you send me, send me the numbers. Mm-hmm. So now I want, I, we're both looking at them yeah, because we're not going to talk about what you think. Right. We're actually going to examine this. And, and so you can, you can make a million dollars this month, but if you spend a million and a half to make that, mm-hmm. we shouldn't celebrate, no. right? We should scale this back. And so, you know, I believe that a person should build a really big plan, too big for them to accomplish right now. They should get really clear on the daily activities. I, I believe in coaching enough that I made it my career. I believe yeah. don't do this alone. If you're doing it alone, you're making it harder than it needs to be. And... Invest in your company, but don't overextend yourself. What does that mean? So work with an economic plan, meaning, you know, let's use, let's, let's use marketing for an example. You know, this is a business where you can, you can spend a lot in marketing, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. And you can spend a lot of marketing with no return. Absolutely. And you can spend a lot of marketing and, and 10 X mm-hmm. what you made. And so, um, we have to know the conversion rates of the different marketing pieces and that will help us figure out, is this worth it? If I spend this dollar, am I going to get three or four back? And yeah. then we're going to measure, right? And so for, for me, 
I, um, every person that we work with, we start by identifying their economic plan, their model. And, and the best definition I've ever heard of an economic model is we're going to look at the end revenue goal and we're going to work it backwards to daily decisions. Yeah. So for us, it's understanding lead funnels, conversion rates in a way that we can measure. And that, by the way, that alone, just that exercise of helping someone clarify that mm -hmm. brings mass clarity for people. It does. I would also imagine that there's a lot of kicking and dragging from business owners and you trying to get that information from them. How does that go? You know, it, it actually isn't like that. Um, the really? ones that would be kicking and dragging typically aren't seeking insight from a coach. Got it. You know, so I, somebody once said to me, what's it like to work with all those egos? And the truth is there, there aren't a lot of egos. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, today's entrepreneur cares about the people that are there working with them, right. you know, providing opportunity. They want to be the best they can be. They're driven. This is not the 80s. It's not the it's 80s. Not yeah, I'm going to drive the Ferrari and, you know, look down on you. It's not yeah. that at all. And so um, the people that are kicking and dragging. So remember, coaching isn't, I'm not your boss. Mm -hmm. um, however. Well, because one of the challenges I have, right, as, as a coach is you've got this person who says they want this. Mm -hmm. And they've told me they're going to take these actions. And then we have another call next week and none of those actions have been taken. Drives me crazy. So you must have figured this one out. Well, look, it's, it's, not, it's not for me to figure out. It's a path that everyone has to go through because mm -hmm. that person may do that until you guys figure out, was that the right goal? Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times we'll set, they'll set a goal for themselves. It's not the right goal. Mm -hmm. They're not really committed. They think they're committed to it because mm -hmm. they think that's the right answer. So for me, the magic in this is number one. So we, we have four models that we coach to live your purpose, fight for clarity, um, engage your talent, own and execute. And inside of this, we cover every aspect of your business. Fight for clarity. Listen to those words. Mm -hmm. Fight for clarity. It's a fight. Yeah. It's a fight because you, you have to, you have to go through the effort of, if you don't know the numbers for a forecast that we're going to guess best guess, then we're going to hone it in. And so when, when I have people that make a commitment and, and through the coaching process, we've discovered not only that it's important, but why it's important and what are the potential barriers? You know, what would you face this week that would cause you not to be able to do this? Mm -hmm. How would you respond to that if that comes up? And then, and then the next week, it's not just, you didn't do it. It's all right. What did you do? What worked better than you thought it would? If you were to do that again, would you create the same result? We, we, we go in and we explore it. Right. And, and so then um, now people are getting clarity and I've learned that clarity is, is the grand equalizer. When, when people are clear on what they're doing, they understand that I make these 10 calls and I get this, you know, mm -hmm. at the end of the month, those 10 calls become easier to do. But for those that are stubborn or, um, or just get really distracted, mm -hmm. Now, now let's talk about accountability. Right. And accountability is, I got strong feelings about accountability. Can we go here? Please. All right. So I think, I think accountability is the magic sauce for any great business owner, mm -hmm. any great entrepreneur, any great person. Actually, I believe accountability is a, such a critical principle, but in coaching, I think we use it wrong most of the time. Now, not us, others right. out there. Yeah. Um, but the way that I see it used all the time is, all right, you, you have a goal, Steve, to mm -hmm. do, you know, you're going to make $3 million this, this week. Mm -hmm. 
and um, we get clear on it. And, you know, I can tell that you're going to need some accountability to hold you to doing this. So I say, all right, here's what we're going to do. You're going to write a check to whatever political party you hate for 50 grand and you're going to send it to me. And, you know, if you don't do it, I'm going to send the check. Now, look, I've, I've, I've done that mm-hmm. with people, but I've done it too. It has to be done very correctly. Yeah. Because if you said that to me, coaching, we're done. Yeah. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's others it's not stupid for. In other words, accountability is very unique person to person. Got it. And there's punitive and there's the reward. Mm-hmm. There's what will this cost you? And there's what will you get? Jason Lewis is a great example of this. You think I have to talk to Jason about getting out and getting to work in the morning? <laughs> no, he can't wait. He's no, getting No way. But he also, I violate our relationship if we're working on objectives and we identify the commitments for this week and I don't follow up and hold him accountable. He feels that I didn't hold up our end of the, my, my end of our relationship, mm-hmm. you know? And so, but if I say to Jason, you have to write a check or that's to him, that's all dumb. Yeah. You know how I get Jason for accountability? Because sometimes when you don't do it, it's, it's not that you're unwilling or you're just lazy. It's that in a sea of a thousand fires, you just didn't find your way to being able to do this one. You got hijacked and you went with it. Mm-hmm. Happens to all of us. Yeah. Shiny object syndromes. Here's what massive. we did with Jason. Ready for this one? He's, he has a, um, he has a, a water skiing pond in his backyard. Have you heard of that? Mm-mm. It's a cable pond. Okay. So it's, it's a cable system and there's a, you attach somehow to a motor and you get in the pond on your ski and this thing pulls you all around the pond. There's not a boat. The cable pulls you wow. around. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's cold and he had a big commitment and I, I like to ask, are you going to do this or do we need to attach accountability to it? Cause we're partners. Mm-hmm. So my job isn't to always do accountability. I'm going to apply whatever accountability, if this thing's important and we both know it, then let's figure out how you're going to not, not do it. So for Jason, he had to go to the water ski. He had to ski in the water ski pond for 15 minutes on Facebook live. Now, some would, some would, you know, it's, it's silly. It's funny, but he will die mm-hmm. before he does that. Yeah. And he laughed and he's like, yeah, I hate that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go to Facebook live and go out in the pond when it's too cold. And guess what? He did. Yeah, he no, did the thing. The Facebook live definitely doesn't work for him. I, we've had conversations about that as well. Yeah. But there, there are other things like I, um, I was coaching a guy in, in Kentucky. I mean, He'd built a huge business, magnificent business owner, but there was this one part of the business that just wasn't happening. And sometimes coaching isn't, we're going to get clear and you're going to go do it. That's, that's me as the business owner. Mm -hmm. But in the coaching world, sometimes this, I'm going to keep you as your coach. I'm going to keep you in the struggle supported by me, but in the struggle while you become the person you need to be, to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And, And that's an important developmental part of the journey that we shouldn't skip. Yeah. And so this guy, um, he was accomplishing a lot of things, but there was this one thing that was costing him a lot in his business. So, um, I asked him, um, what, what, what's not working? He, he hated that. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, you know, he loved our relationship. What's not working here. Why do you say that? I think we're doing great things and we've done this and we've hired these people. We're profitable or this. And I said, if it's really working then, and we've identified that this goal is important when it was your goal, you gave it to me, told me it was important to you. I made it my goal. Mm-hmm. We're not doing it. What's well, not working. 
And what we discovered is, for him, he did need external pressure, but punitive pressure didn't work for him. Yeah. So I asked him, what's the charity that you truly believe in? And he, the Ronald McDonald House. And I said, well, if you could walk in today and just write him a check, what would it be? He said, I'd write him a $5,000 check. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, so here's what we're doing. I, I always ask, do you want me to come up with the accountability or do you want to? Yeah. They usually let me once. <laughs> I'm really creative. So for, but for him, it was, it was um, 20 listings in like four days. Mm-hmm. 20 listings in four days. Wow. Here's what we did. He went that day, got off the call with us, went to Ronald McDonald House, told him, I'm doing this. I'm, I have a challenge for myself. And when I do this, I'm going to bring you a check for $5,000. But I can't bring anything if it doesn't happen. So right away, he feels differently because he's told them. And they're, they're about important work. He wants to be a part of that. Then he went to Facebook. He was, wasn't much of a Facebook guy. But he went to Facebook and said, this is what I'm doing. And I need your help. Yeah. And I'm not kidding, Steve. It was in the final hour. Number 20 came through. And so... They, Ronald McDonald House invited him to the Kentucky Derby, which I learned you have to wear the biggest ridiculous hats ever created. Yeah, of course. But they presented him with an award and, you know, called him down on the field. I mean, he didn't do it for that reason, but that was not bad for his business. No, not bad at all. Yeah. And so in his case, it was a huge break. He never went backwards. We broke through. Yeah. But that's what, what broke him through. Um, another coaching, or another call from, uh, this is from, Reddit, when is the right time to get coaching? So if, if you're me, the second you start your business, um, I, I will say this. I, um, I hired my coach when I had a month covered. I had a month covered. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel recommending that to people because I think that I think that there are things that you can do until you're, you know, have your house payment, have, have things covered. Um, use a mentor, you know, go to trainings. But the moment that you're on solid ground and it's time to grow, then you hire a coach. Yeah. At that point. So I hired my first coach was with Craig Proctor in mm-hmm. 2010. So up until from 2007 to 2010, and have coaches like coaching. I'm like, who needs coaching, right? Yeah. And, and I don't need that. I'm a doer. Yeah. I'll figure this out. I'd rather yeah. fail than, you know, and whatever. And so I go get coaching. And after just a couple of years, like, why didn't I just do this? Yeah. So people ask me, you know, like, what are the two things, two or three things you do? Is the first thing you do, and this sounds crazy, right? I don't recommend people like max out their credit cards. But what I would do if I start all over again is I would put coaching on, on my credit card and I'll hire an assistant right off the bat. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. what I would do. I wouldn't recommend it. I have a crazy high risk tolerance, but, Me too. but that's what I would do if I had to start all over again. Yeah. So, you know, what I heard you say is number one, I would hire my partner. Mm-hmm. That's not a legal partner, right? right? It's not someone that you're going to split your profits with or your expenses. But you think about the cost of a coach, you know, anywhere from a thousand to $3,000, depending on what you're doing, the cost of a coach versus a hire. Yeah. You know, hiring someone to come in and do that. And, you know, for me, there is not a chance in the world I would be where I am now without my coaches. I always, when I start something new, I always ask, "What's who's the coach? Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking just before the show, and, and um, I shared with you, I'm a, I've been a rock climber yeah. all my adult life, especially in Yosemite. El Cap, 
Climbers have a love affair with that big chunk of rock. It's mm-hmm. the largest unbroken cliff on the North American continent. But when I just, when I committed to go do that, I committed to do it a certain way. Cause I had a friend that had done it and I asked him, would he do it with me? And would you, can we go climb this? Will you climb this with me? Most people spend three to five days. He said, I'll do it if we do it in one day. It made me physically nauseous. I immediately committed because I'm like you and we're mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. But how do you, how do you train for that? I hired a coach. Of course. Yeah. And, and later, you know, I hired the, I started with the, you know, I started with the best and ended up getting them. And cause you know, they train sponsored athletes get paid in protein bars and shirts. Yeah. And, uh, but I don't, there's no part of anything that I'm doing that I don't hire the coach. Right. So if it's fitness, it's coaching. If it's, you know, Teresa and I, we have, we have coaching sometimes for our marriage, not therapy. Cause we're in a great place coaching that we can just, we're more engaged parents. We're better at our future plans together. So, well, I think that kind of yeah. goes back to what you were saying in the very beginning about passion, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we'll, we'll learn where we're passionate and we just need to focus where you're passionate. That's where I'm at uh, at the moment. Uh, Jeremy on uh, YouTube. Just, just one more note on that. So to your point about, I would hire an assistant and a coach. What I really hear you saying is I, I would, that season of learning from the time that before you hired your first assistant and while you thought you were too good and doing it on your own, you would cut that out and fast track your growth. Fast track my growth and realize that you didn't know this when you first start is your income is directly proportional to your activities. Yeah. And I was doing all the other stuff that was not making me money. But you were busy. I was busy. Yeah. I came home. Boy, I worked really hard today. Yeah. Got nothing to show for it, but man, I worked really hard today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the absence of a clear economic model, busy feels good. It does. But when you hire a coach and suddenly you're, you go from busy to purposeful and plans, clear plans. Intentions. Intentions. Yep. Oh, that, that gets really exciting. And it's, it's really not uncommon to hear coaching clients say things like what you've just said. I can't believe I didn't do this sooner. And you're actually excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Jeremy on YouTube, what's the number one thing that coaches recognize that your mentees overlook? Well, it's a different relationship. So a mentor is going to impart to you what they've learned. Both relationships are important. They're going to impart what they've learned and they're going to help you, you know, see things that you haven't thought about. They may even give you guidance. Um, but it's a, it's a unique mentor that will actually stay in it with you, following up with you. I have great mentors, but I know the day I show up and I'm no longer driving that, that relationship gets stale to them. The coach is different. You know, the coach is the person that um, we're going to agree on the plan and what's important. And I don't get to escape that anymore. You're accountable to them. You're accountable to that partnership because that partnership is based on your, your objectives. Mentors help you um, think bigger, they can connect you with people. There's a lot of things that they can do, but coaching, coaching is, is what sees you through on the front line of the business day in, day out so that you catalog your learning. You actually do grow. Uh, and then, uh, on Instagram, Eatman did appreciate, right? Are we, are you going to do this or do we need to attach accountability to it? Um, so Kai on YouTube wants to know what should you look for in a coach when you're ready for one? Well, okay, this is, I have strong feelings. 
I think that much is readily apparent. I'm coming I'm in hot. Fly. You ready? <laughs> Let's go. So um, I believe in the world of business coaching, just about the worst thing you could ever say to me is, so you do life coaching, mm-hmm. which is so bad because there's a place for it. But in my mind, in my mind, you know, I get a, I get a nosebleed for a minute because um, I believe that there is an art and science to business coaching. If you're, if you're coming to coaching in the world of business, you're going to talk about your private life because the entrepreneur's life doesn't start and stop at business. No. I would love to say, well, we just leave it at the office, but your office is in your pocket. Yeah. You know, and so we're going to do that. The, the science of coaching, are, it's, it's the biology of business. It's having a profit and loss statement. Mm. It's having someone to help you so you don't get caught by the IRS because you're not paying your quarterly taxes. It's, you know, it, it, there are things that are agnostic and unemotional that a business require. The art is each one of our individual experiences getting all of that in place and moving through the developmental stages of, of becoming good at business. And so I believe that if you're hiring a business coach, you need to hire someone that, that has tools and the ability to help you to help capture your business model and your plans. You need someone that, you're, that you can say, I don't know. I don't know that. And that's fine. We're going to find out. Yeah. We'll figure that out. And, but you also need someone that, um, you know, you need someone that, that gets personally invested. One of the things you hear a lot in the coaching world is don't, don't become friends with your clients. I, I don't know how you meet someone every week and do that work together and not build a relationship. But the key is when you're in the coaching session, it's all business. Yeah. You know, and I've, I've coached Jason and I are very close friends. But when it's the call, he might say, oh, how was your trip? And my answer is, it was amazing. Tell me how this went last week. Yeah. You know, and so I, that's how I pay respect to that relationship. So I think when you're starting out looking for a coach, you're, you're looking for someone that is going to, you know, they're going to, through, the, through their questions, they're going to help capture and help you organize what your business is. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that, you know, we titled the show, you know, one thing that, all successful people have in common. Mm-hmm. That was my thumbnail, right? I was the editor, right? So, but yeah. I want, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Cause you know, I think that a lot of people look down on the coaching industry. Yeah. I was one of those people. You know, so, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, the idea that all successful people have a coach? Yeah. So when were you one of those people? Before I had a coach. That's typically how that story gets told. Yeah. And why did you hire a coach? Because uh, I was unhappy with my results. My results were not, when I quit my job, high paying job as an engineer to get into real estate, the results I had were completely different than what I expected them to be. Yeah. So um, I, I, think, I think the reason that people look down on the coaching industry is because there's a lot to look down on. There's a lot of talking heads. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people, everyone's an expert. Yeah. And the, the name coaching is no longer unique in this application. And, um, you know, Gary Keller shared with me one time, he said, if you can't make a profit, become one, <laughs> which, I thought, which was really funny to me. Yeah. And so, um, however, you said it yourself. I looked out on the coaching industry until I realized I wasn't happy. And then you went and found a partner, not any partner. You found a coach. Would you work with a coach that, you know, that wasn't, Helping you grow? Absolutely not. No way. No, they go packing fast. Mm-hmm. So 
the coaching relationship is one where I think people should be picky and discerning, but you know, it's, it's also that place where your, your, um, the mystique of who you are, who your team thinks you are. We check that at the door. You know, yeah. we're, we're not doing that here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've started a coaching call and, and someone has said, this was a terrible week. My vice president quit this week. And, you know, I always come prepared. This is how we teach our coaches. We're always prepared. And the coaching call needs to be nimble enough that we can address these things that are real. Of course. Sometimes we like to start a fire so we don't face the accountability of what our commitment was because we didn't do it. So we start a fire, then you and I can put it out and you're not going to ask me. We don't, we don't do that. We're always going to ask, but, um, but they'll say, you know, my, my vice president quit. We're going to hit the pause button. This is deeply disruptive for, for a company. Yeah. We're going to explore everything about it. What needs to be done. We're going to make sure when we're done here that you've got a clear pathway and plan for how you're going to deal with this. Fight for clarity. Yeah. We're going to figure out what part of this was your fault. It's, it's critical to understand that because you're going to hire someone new to come into that role and we don't want to do this again. No, we don't want to repeat the same exact mistakes. Yeah. And so the coaching relationship, I think behind the curtain, everyone is struggling with something. Yeah. I don't care how bulletproof a person appears, how good they appear. Business under the best of circumstances is hard. Yeah. So behind the curtain, that's where coaching really excels. Uh, Peyton Burks on YouTube. What's the typical cost of hiring a coach? And I think this is a very broad question, but yeah. Well, listen, can, can I shameless plug? Of course. So we, we do, I don't believe coaching is sold. I believe it's demonstrated. I, I learned this very early on because it's not like buying a pair of pants. You know, you're, you're getting into a relationship that you're going to do every week. And so um, we do a, a business assessment with people to determine even if coaching's right. And we created a link just for your audience. It's mymapscoach dot com forward slash re disruptors mymapscoach.com forward slash re disruptors and if you will go there you can learn a little bit about coaching but also we're going to do that assessment for anyone in your audience that wants to do it and and so um you you would ask me you know what do people pay for a coach is that right yeah. What's, what's typical? Yeah. So it's typical kind of the, the baseline is a thousand dollars a month. And that usually gets you four 30 minute calls. Um, we have people anywhere from a thousand up to 3000 because it depends on the coach and, and what you're doing. Yeah. Complexity. Yeah. Um, I'm not a thousand bucks. You're probably no. not either. No, absolutely not. No. <laughs> uh, so Kai, follow up question. Do you have any affirmations that you guys go through either with yourself or uh, with your uh, coaching partners? Um, <laughs> this is going to be a tragical answer. Too. <laughs> <laughs> well, so th- this will sound funny. Um, I know that affirmations are important. Mm-hmm. It's never been the thing that drives me. And, and I want to be really hesitant to say, you know, to treat them like they're, they're not important because they are. I think I've just given, I've done affirmations differently. I'm so kinesthetic that, you know, I wake up, I mean, I, I wear a thing on my wrist that electric shocks me at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. It's not a dog collar. It's an actual device. But I'm, you know, for, for me, typically affirmations are those things that, that help us get ourselves in the right frame of mind. 
we have a lot of coaches that that do that but but me personally i don't i don't have daily affirmations that i do although i do daily affirming things and and that's that's sort of similar what would be an example of an affirming thing? Oh, and, and I do daily affirming things, and I do have a, a personal mission that I will read with frequency. And um, I wrote it back in 2012, and I was really searching, and, and you know, that's something I go to. I can, I can dig that out and share that if you like. Um, but it, it, it essentially addresses, you know, the areas of, of my life that are important to me, my family, my fitness, um, you know, my spirit, and business. Yeah creativity, those kind of things. Um, but for me daily, uh, how to start the day on purpose is you're going to, you're going to wake up before you're taking time from anyone else. Mm -hmm. I can take time in the morning very selfishly. I believe one of the things that great producers have in common is they control the morning. I don't think we have endless energy throughout the course of the day, but my experience has been that, that, that those that show up the best at, at their, you know, at work are those that, have a morning routine and they control the morning. Yeah. And so I think have a plan for fitness, have a plan for health. I have a coach that plans all my meals. They're so boring. You would die. They're so boring, but they allow that allows me to do it. Yeah. And he also controls my exercise and I say controls, but I, I let myself off the hook when yeah. left to me. Oh, I absolutely. Yeah. I, I get that same exact issue. I have this thing up. I'm here and there. It's like, you know, like there's a one day I would skip his legs day because I can't legs and it's just always, yeah. always awful. That sucks. Well, every week I go and he measures me. So I believe you, you have to wake up. I believe you do something to tend to your spirit. For me, I read and pray and then fitness. And then I do personal business development, which means I'm not working on my business. I'm just learning. I'm reading things that are just learning oriented. That's where I actually listen to one of your episodes during that period of time. And I'm not trying, you know, you didn't pay me to say that, yeah. <laughs> I, but that that's a period of time where I'm just going to learn, yeah. you know, and then I go to work. And, um, and so it, if, if you're a person that um, affirmations are, are helpful and some of the most successful people I know use affirmations, then I say, then I say, do them and do them relentlessly. And here's a guide for a great affirmation. Sometimes we say these affirmations as if they're just a dream. They will never happen. You know, mm -hmm. I can fly over buildings. It's probably not happening. Right? Mm -hmm. We say things because we're really, we're wanting to drive the neuro programming in our mind to, be, to become the person that thinks in the way that someone that has done this. And so if you struggle with that, add these words at my best, I, and then name it because Sometimes affirmations can feel either so far out or disingenuous because we're not in alignment with them. But at my best, I do this. To me, that's a realigning. That's, that, those words realign me to, I may not do this all the time, but when I'm at my best, this is how I am. Yeah, the best version of me. Yeah, this is the best version of me. This drives me back to it. Yeah, I like so that a lot. In my mission, that's how I wrote it. So I, I say in every paragraph, you know, at my best, you know, this is how I am with my family. At my best, this is how I am at work. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, what was going to, we were talking about, oh yeah, uh, podcasting. Yes. We choose difficult. Choose difficult. What is this? All right. 
So I, I told you I sold a company. Mm-hmm. I had a company called um, SonicDad.com, and I had this genius friend. SonicDad. SonicDad.com. Got it. It was a YouTube channel, okay. and I had this genius friend that could make all these inventions, and we, they're inventions you can make for kids. Mm-hmm. I had a full studio, you know, three different cameras, and we built this whole studio in, in my basement, and he, he was just brilliant. And, and we reached a lot of people. At the time that I sold my position in the company, we had 222 million minutes viewed. Wow. 650,000 hours. Yeah. And you know, it was a lot. Um, it wasn't 650,000 hours. It was, I'm going to say it was like 3 million or something like this, but people from all over. And I've, I loved that. And I've always wanted to do it. I'm, I'm, I love the podcast format. I think there's something special about it. And um, I wanted to do something that could introduce people to our company, but it was all boring to me. So <laughs> this is funny. Twice. I, I, I piloted three episodes, a concept, and um, I just hated them. Like I knew that this, this isn't gonna be fun for me. Yeah. And so I finally landed on this format with Choose Difficult, where we tell the stories of extraordinary individuals who choose difficult and change the world they live in. And now, and what we do, have you listened to any of them by chance? No pressure. Uh-huh. All right, there's a cure for that. So uh, you're going to be on it next week. You should listen to one. Um, I, I, find that, um, I find that when, when I'm going to look for a podcast, I'm looking for just a couple of things. I want to learn something new. Or I, I want someone else who's gone through some crap to tell me how they did it mm-hmm. so that I can understand, you know, what I can do. And every successful person has that story. Yeah. And so when we, we actually let them tell, we have them tell their story. We edit me out of the other interview side of it. And then I narrate as I go. Oh, really? Yes. And so when we tell your story, we'll tell the whole story. We don't manufacture emotion. The objective isn't to, you know, it's not Mari Povich or anything like that. We just want to capture the learning and the, and the hard times too, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and then I'll come in and just, you know, share insights and things that, that I've learned or draw highlights on what's been said. And we, we've had amazing people, Bob Taylor of Taylor Guitars largest acoustic guitar manufacturer in the world. Yeah. Thurl Bailey, who's an NBA all-star. And that was amazing. Um, you know, Liz Wiseman, the author of Multipliers, open season three for us. We've That's got huge. a bunch, we've got a bunch of great people, but we, we also have a bunch of people you'd never have heard of. Mm. But once you listen, you know, then you know them because yeah. they've, they've, they've created extraordinary things, but they've gone through extraordinary things. So for me, I love telling stories and I love telling business stories. And, and that's what choose difficult is. Got it. So go and listen. And that way we can keep choosing it. Uh, interesting question from Andy Mai is how do you reevaluate your life when you get to the top? Well, if you're at the top, you're in the wrong room. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, um, that, that, that is a great question. You know, I, I have competing thoughts. Um, and I'd love your take on this, actually. So for me, I think if you're at the top, then you, it's time to get in the next room. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're the top of the world that you have been operating in, um, then go build a new world, you know, yeah. Start, who, put people around you that, that push that thinking. Think of Gary with me, like stop thinking a hundred million. Right. And think a billion. I mean, it changed the way I fundamentally thought. I mean, I didn't sleep for three days, which was rude of him, but it changed the way I thought. And so, and the the other thing too is um, when you're reevaluating life, 
I think that a lot of the way that we started this conversation, it's, it's looking at your business, but not just your business, you know? So have you, have you heard of the, the book, the five regrets of the dying? Yes. So if you, if anyone Googles that there'll be 3 million memes with the regrets and you don't need to read the book. So it was this, it was a research survey done by an internet nurse that worked with terminally ill elderly six months or less. And she, over time she would catalog their regrets. Well, one of them was, I wish I hadn't worked so much. We don't get to the end of this game and look back and say, I'm glad I worked all the Saturdays. Right. We look back and, and, and you know, we're, we're hoping for accomplishment. But another was, I wish that I had stayed in touch with my friends. That was one of the five. Yeah. I wish I had lived a life true to myself, not the life others wanted me to live. And, and so when I evaluate my life and my purpose, I think... Um, I, I am obsessive about business borderline, you know, would you call yourself a sociopath? Yeah. Yes. You are my people. <laughs> um, and look, if, if my kids don't get the best of me then I don't care what's happening in business, I'm failing. And so when I evaluate my life, um, it's the relationships and what we're doing as a family. It's, I, I'm a person that does really well when I insert a unique, uncomfortable challenge. That's what rock climbing has been in my life. And I have others that I've, that I've put in place for that purpose. I think all of us do better when we're new at something right. new and terrible. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, and so those are the things that I would think about. Um, I've worked with a lot of, of really high level CEOs. And this is a question they start to ask themselves about mid-career. What's it all for? You know, is it worth it? And not if you don't have purpose. It's not if you don't. Yes, thank you. It's not if you don't have purpose. Yeah. And that's that's often where we start. What gets you? What gets you into the week on days that suck? What gets you through? Yeah. Um, I think everything you said about the five regrets. I think people had the opportunity, the fortune, in a way, the, the silver lining. COVID crisis is they got to actually reevaluate. Mm -hmm. Are they happy with where they are in their lives and their careers? Is this the career for me? Should I change? And we're seeing it right now with everyone quitting their jobs. A lot of people are making that decision. This is not the direction I want in my life. So I think that is a mixed blessing uh, with the whole COVID crisis. As far as myself, I don't, I have consistently set goals to be the top of something. And before I finish getting to the top of anything, I already found a new goal. So, you know, someone mentioned, so they're asking me about like, how do you, you know, stay confident? Are you doing the right thing? It's like everything I do, I'm a hundred percent confident I'm doing the right thing. And so the moment I'm not, and then I switch, <laughs> I change directions. Like you had no idea. I just went a completely different direction. And so for a while, you know, I want to be the number one realtor in town for a while. I want to be the number one brokerage in town right now. I'm having a lot of luck with the podcasting and sales training. Two things that, you know, I think, fortunately, I've had su success with. So what am I looking at right now? The number one sales trainer. So Grant Cardone, for better or for worse, is the number one result when you Google sales trainer. Yeah. I want to be the number one guy. I want to be the top of my consciousness for that. Yeah. I want to be the number one for podcasting. But who knows? As I'm on my way there, there's going to be something else I want to be number one at. So I think th that my long answer to that question, Andy, is how do you reevaluate when we get to the top is... I don't think you ever truly find the top. I think you just keep progressing, especially if you're a driver, entrepreneur personality. But the way you think 
the way you think is important. Let's pause on that for a minute. Yeah. I want to shine a light on this because it, it sounds to me, and don't let don't let me put words in your mouth that aren't mm-hmm. accurate. But but you you um, each one of those things that you named open the next door. Yeah. And so for you, it actually isn't getting to the top. It's taking this thing as far as it need as far as I need to go mm-hmm. to open the next door. Yep. Open the next door. And great business owners, by the way, the, the real greats, they don't get rid of a business. Mm-hmm. They leverage the business. Right. And then they do their next thing. Yep. You know, and so I think that's important because I think, you know, you could appear to be just a complete unicorn, but I think others others might recognize that in themselves that um that it's the, you, you said I got lucky in podcasting. Well, how many episodes have you done? Uh, 160 something. Okay. As a podcast guy, that's a ton. That's a freaking ton. This yeah. is a whole studio. <laughs> you have a whole staff. Yeah. So you hedged the luck with blood, sweat and tears and investment. Oh, Hey, this works. Let's pour more resources. Yeah. We're going to do that. We're going to measure. We're going to step back. We're going to calculate. We're going to learn. Yeah. We're going to you know, grow. And then this has opened other doors. Absolutely. I would love to help you not grant off the top spot. I'm, I'd love that. And so that, that, by the way, that is something that coaches help you do. When, when you think that you're at the place you've achieved, a great coach isn't going to let you live there. Yeah. There's no way. No. Cause you get complacent and yeah. things get stale and rotten. Yeah. And when they get stale and rotten for this kind of creature, you start to become a danger to society. <laughs> you do. I've actually had a, a great friend mention like once he has success and he stopped chasing success, Yeah. you know, he got happy with his success is when he started hanging out too much time in the bar and is when he got divorced. <laughs> like idle hands are not good for entrepreneurs. No. Mm-mm. We have an addictive personality and yeah. we're going all in no matter what it is. Yeah. We're going all in on. Yeah. Um, so Andy, his follow up thing is I'm currently pushing with my friends to, work on myself and my business. How do I know whether or not I should be giving time to family and friends and focusing more on building my business? So this is a toughie. This is a tough question that we all run into. I know exactly where I'd go with that. Let me see your business plan. I want to know what that business plan is. Yeah. We're going to create a plan for that business and your family. Cause it's not either or you don't get to, you can't put your family on ice while you build your business. You know, I, I, I won't mention the name of the company, but they are a top two pharmaceutical company. And I was coaching the director of um, director of sales for that whole company. And I asked him one day, is the childhood, is your kids, he's got these two beautiful girls, is their childhood for sale? No, no way. You have to convince me I don't believe you. What do you mean? I don't believe you. I want to take a moment. I want you to, to actually make your case and convince me because everything I see you're selling their childhood. He's instantly, he's not at the company anymore. Yeah. And, and so I think that hopefully he was the client and not the pharmaceutical company. He was, he had hired me, although we still do work for them. Yeah. But he, um, you know, he was, um, I, I like to share that example because the answer is, do you, do you pour into your friends and your family or pour into your business? Yes. Yes, you do. Which means you need a very clear plan on what your business requires today. And you need, and and you need great partners and accountability to do that in the time allotted to it. And then you need a plan to work on your other relationships. And I think that key there, right? Is the time allotted to it Mm -hmm. because 
without the allotment of time. Like we don't talk about a time budget. We talk about a monetary budget and so on. We never talk about a time budget. And that is one of the things that without a time budget, that leaks <laughs> just yeah. as crazily as la lacking a financial budget. I was busy though. <laughs> it's like when you read, when you're reading and you read a whole page and you, you don't know what was on the page. Right. Right. We can, you ever, you ever gotten hypnotized on the highway driving and you're like, oh, yeah. I think I just went through 10 miles and I don't think I was actually looking. Weren't there. You can do that in work. You absolutely can do that in work. Yep. You can go home and be tired, but you weren't productive. You didn't advance a plan. So one thing I saw, professional speaking. Uh, so one thing I want to get better at, and you know, people think I'm crazy because I've been told I'm a good speaker, is you know, good enough is not good enough. I want to become a professional speaker. Yeah. What training did you get to become a professional speaker? Well, um, so uh, look. Uh, I started like I started anything else. Like I, I jumped in and sucked for a season. Mm -hmm. I had really great early training because I taught, I actually taught religion courses to high school students. If you can do that and keep them there, you can train a unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, but I, I do believe in practicing the skill of speaking. And um, for a season, I spoke on the college circuit. I, I, had an agent and I had a, um, I had a, a college talk that I would, I would go around and give called, would you date you? It, it was a bait and switch. Mm -hmm. They thought it was about dating, but it was, it was more about, you know, be a person that be the kind of person you want to attract. And, right. um, but, but I would, yeah, I'm, I'm a person that believes in this, in this world. I believe in mentors. I record everything I do and listen to it. That's something, Steve, that I'd, I'd highly recommend because listening back, you'll hear a couple of things. You'll hear what worked well. Mm -hmm. You'll, you'll also hear what didn't work. Yeah. You know, so I, um, and then, um, you know, we created, and, and by the way, if you want to do this, I would love for you to do this as my guest. We created a, a course for our trainers. We call it the transformational trainer and, and put in place the models that we believe make for a really engaging training experience because the audience today is different than ever before. Um, but even that said, I coming out of COVID, I, I have felt very rusty, yeah. you know? And so I, um, I've started practicing again and you know, the, the way to practice is I, I have a, a, you know, one of the, one of my partners in my business, um, he's our director of coaching. And one of my favorite people in all the world, he's, he is a person that I can go to and say, I'm going to walk through this with you. And I want you to, you know, tell me what works and what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that that's the kind of work to be a great speaker. That that's really what it takes. We might speak easily in front of others, but yeah. that's not the objective is to stand uh, up and say great things or to stand up and speak easily. The objective is to be good. Right. Well, to resonate with the audience to resonate where they took something from it and they weren't, Checking their phones. That's it. Now, so here's something. Every 10 minutes, they need to be doing something if you're speaking. Yeah. At a minimum. If you're on Zoom, if you're doing it via Zoom, every two. Every <laughs> two it. minutes, have them write something, have them do something. There's a communicative principle that I learned from Matt Townsend that I love. He got it from Stephen Covey. Before you can influence another, you must first be influenced by them. So the job of a speaker, a coach, a leader, 
is first to facilitate someone influencing them. And then, then they're open to influence, you know? And so I, I think that there's some great masterminds around for speaking, but yeah. speaking is just like anything else. It is a skill that should be great news for us yeah. because it means that, that there are models and systems and, and groups we can get with to practice. Right. And then, and then the, probably the most important part of it all, do it all the time. Yeah. Like just do it obsessively. And if, if people aren't paying you to speak, find those that will want you for free. You know, the more time you can have in front of people practicing these things, you're going to get better. Yeah. So I want you to think about something you want to leave the listeners with. Okay. Uh, guys, if you get value today, I mean, just comment below. Let us know what you learned today. It would help us tremendously. And then we do have our all day sales training December 10th, right? Uh, a few Fridays from now. Uh, if you guys sign up right now, we are taking $500 off. So if, if you sign up right now during our live podcast, I did not leave a very long window. So I asked the team to extend the window here. The lousy job promoting this as usual. Uh, so uh, if you guys DM us right now at Steve Trang on Instagram, we'll knock $500 off and then tune in next week. We got Nick Marietta. It'll be a very interesting show. He's gonna be coming in from Vegas. That guy is also a serial entrepreneur. He's doing what seems like a thousand things and he's launching a podcast where he speaks to people on his private jet. Oh, that would be interesting. That sounds all right. Let's go. You want it? <laughs> Let's go. All right. So what are some last thoughts you want to leave everybody with? Well, um, if you're doing your business alone without a coach, you're making it harder than it needs to be. You know, and I, I would encourage anyone that is wondering to, to go to that link and, um, let's, let's look at your business and do an assessment. And, um, you know, at the worst, you walk away with a plan, you know, yeah. and, and we decide not to go forward. But, uh, but I, I think that, um, you know, to kind of wrap this all up, business is a, f at least to me, the entrepreneurial business is a full contact sport. And it, it, there, there is a thing called entrepreneurial lonely, loneliness. Yeah. And so that means we have to insert people in our lives that, that keep us from that. And, and so for me, it's, it's one thing to hear and, and, you know, be inspired by someone else, but I want to, I want to do something, you know, I'd recommend to anyone that's listening to any of these episodes of yours to identify one thing you're going to do, mm -hmm. you know, get clear on it and a word on your sales training. We, we talked about this before, and that was that um, I made the comment to you that sales training is different than coaching. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a completely different thing. It is. And I think sales training is the thing you never, ever stop going to. I don't care how good you are. You might be good at it, but mm -hmm. that doesn't make you good at teaching someone else to do it. That's what we, that's the reason why we have clients. <laughs> yeah. So if, if you have a team, mm -hmm. You know, one of the best leveraging points you can do is get your leaders in coaching or get your whole team to go through training. Cause now you have a common language and material to use right. um, direction. Yeah. Appreciate that. If someone wants to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Um, you can reach me at Abe at mymapscoach.com. Follow me on Facebook, Abraham Shreve. I'm told that's where the old people go. I'm also Abraham Shreve on Instagram and then choose difficult.com. You choose know, the difficult. podcast, you can reach me through there. Awesome. All right. Thank you very much. Oh, my so pleasure. Much value. Appreciate it. Really enjoyed this. Thank you.